Blog Talk Radio. physical cells. 
He also indicates that the essence of us is spiritual and that as a creation of God, we have growth and development potential that reaches far beyond our limited and limiting perception of ourselves. And he states further that uh, in the natural psychology and human transformation, Dr. Naeem Akbar reveals the truth to him and most of us that read this book that was so simple that it had been so easy to overlook. He states that you can't reach your human potential if you don't know fully how much potential you have. And that's something that I look forward to in this new year of 2012, is to be able to recognize the full potential that I have and, and, and the potential that I have as not only as a, a man of African descent, but as a husband, as a father, as an elder, as a contributor to uh, my immediate family and community and to the world at large. And I must take this time to say hello to my beautiful wife. How are you doing, honey? Great to have I'm you. Terrific. Thank ah, you. Well, thank How you. you. I'm great, and you look terrific. Oh, thank yes, you. Yes, yes, you look refreshed this Sunday evening, and uh, I feel refreshed. We just had a nice dinner, and I'm, I'm rejuvenated, invigorated, and looking forward to the show. Um, you had a show this morning that was very interesting, yeah. and I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to next Sunday, uh, following up on that, uh, and just... Uh, you know, it's just a thing of of this unlimited anticipation of positive energy this coming year, of two, this year of 2012, in the coming months. So, uh, so we have to keep sharing the knowledge. Yes, indeed. And there's so much knowledge to share. So I'm just uh, grateful that uh, the Most High has given me the wherewithal to be able to uh, uh, humbly uh, partake in being one of the contributors the solution as opposed to uh, a contributor to the problem. So at this moment, I'm going to take a short break, and then when I come back, uh, we will uh, actually start reading from the uh, uh, this, this uh, very small, uh, just a few pages. I shouldn't say a few, but it's a small uh, booklet, but has a lot of profound and, and very uh, dynamic information in it in terms of uh, natural psychology and human transformation. So please stay with us, and we will be back with you momentarily. And I want to thank you again for tuning in this evening. I want to welcome our guests in the chat room and also those of you who are listening in via phone. And I must um, repeat uh, that uh, we are uh, reading from a book, which is something that we do uh, quite frequently on our show. We feature books that we think would be of mutual interest. Uh, one of the reasons for reading this, the books that we do feature is because uh, throughout the African diaspora, we have those who do not have access to books, uh, be it from not having a, uh, a bookstore or a library or uh, just being out of the mix in terms of uh, having an access to certain books that are available within the Western uh, Hemisphere. Uh, then there are many of us in our community who cannot read, uh, who are blind or who are uh, incapacitated, confined to the hospital or to their beds, and it's just impossible for them to be able to uh, have access to such books such as uh, the one I'm about to uh, 
share with you this evening. So I just wanted to reemphasize that, that that's one of the reasons why we are excited about being able to uh, provide the service. And of course, any information that is shared with regard to um, medicinal and uh, psychological or spiritual um, um, change within your life or to uh, improve your health, that we are not doctors, uh, we're not practitioners as such, uh, and that we uh, advise you to consult your medical doctor, uh, your spiritual advisor, and all those uh, who would be uh, would important to you making a decision as to whether or not you would uh, embrace the ideas and information that's being shared with you on this show. So with that said and done, I, I'd like to start off by uh, sharing with you the introduction uh, from uh, Dr. Naeem Akbar. And uh, he states that this small pamphlet, and that was the word I was searching for when I was mentioning this small book, it's a pamphlet. He says that it was originally published in 1977, and at that time, he was directing the Office of Human Development for the then World Community of Islam in the West and serving as an aide to then the Imam Wallace D. Muhammad. And one of his responsibilities was to help prepare materials that would enhance the psychological development of the membership of the World Community of Islam, as well as the broader community based upon the teachings of now Imam Warith Deen Muhammad. And then after 1979, when the organization of the World Community of Islam in the West was dissolved by Imam Muhammad, and he left this position, that's Wallace uh, Naeem Akbar left his position, this book was then taken out of print. And in the course of the last 15 years, numerous changes have come about in Imam Muhammad's organization, as well as his course and ideas. And uh, Dr. Akbar continues to state that he cannot determine what Iman uh, Muhammad's thoughts might be on his ideas from that era now, but one of the important concepts which he emphasized at that point in his ministry was the importance of growth and the understanding of the human development. And Dr. Akbar states that as a psychologist, I seized upon this notion as a critical concept to develop because it seemed to be an important idea for us to understand ourselves better as human beings. And I wrote the pamphlet as an extension of the Islamic ideas that Dr. Muhammad was at the time cultivating within the world community of Islam. And those Islamic teachings seemed very much compatible with the understanding of human beings that I was seeking as a correction to the clearly inadequate idea of human functioning that I had acquired from my European-American Judeo-Christian education and psychology. He goes on to state that growth and change are constants in nature. It is through the growth process from the womb to the grave that crude and primitive substance becomes refined and completed matter. The study of the mind of human beings in the Western world has suffered some very serious restrictions because of its limited concept of human growth. Western psychology has reduced this concept of the mind of man to the limitations of man's physical body and his physical behavior. And in doing so, woe slash man has become entrapped in the limited arena of his slash her physical body. And this synthesis of woman and man is to underscore my clarity on the idea that man in the generic sense means woman and men. From the perspective of Western psychology, our thoughts, dreams, and aspirations have become biochemical processes in the brain and our search for the truth of the invisible has been characterized as hallucinatory experiences resulting from delusional distortions of behavioral dysfunctions based on conditioned avoidance responses, unquote. He goes on to state that our development has become restricted to our muscular maturation, changing perceptual skills, language acquisitions, and the various expressions of our psychosexual energy. To the Western world, complete human development has become no more than the expansion of flesh, 
and man's human potential has been reduced to competition and the aging process. With the loss of the proper concept of complete human growth, man's ability for change has become seriously limited, since change, according to Western theories, could only be affected through biochemical alterations or behavioral manipulations, we as human beings have become slaves to our own chemistry or our history of rewards and punishments. The dismal picture painted by Western psychology is that man is locked into the limitations of his future learning capability. And such a picture has led to a great deal of pessimism about the possibilities for human change. The possibilities for human change are becoming more and more restricted as reflected in the rapid increase of mental illness, criminal and antisocial behavior, drug, including alcohol abuse, and many other indications of human waste and deterioration. The continued appeal to other chemical and behavior solutions to these problems with their pure success rate shows the limitations of this physical conceptualization of human change. My suggestion in this book is that the concepts of Western psychology have produced an unnatural human being based upon its unnatural assumption about human functioning and development. And by converting the living inner being into a material being, man's potential to capture and master his animal form has been lost. In fact, the inner being called psyche, or soul, became a servant to the animal disposition identified by Western psychologists as the core of the human makeup. The idea of the real picture of the human being, which had grown in man's awareness of himself over centuries of study of his connection to the universe, has led to a retardation in the growth of the human life form. From the earliest recorded time, man and woman of inspiration and divine guidance have brought a message of human growth and inspiration to the minds of people. And these wise persons have helped to renew the failing species in its worst moments by bringing a message of hope which reminds us of our higher potential and of our transformational ability. And this message reestablishes humanity's relationship with the natural order and reminds humanity that they are servants of a higher truth and are equipped to develop themselves through the will that they have been given. And Dr. Akbar goes on to state that my plan has been to revise this book for several years, but so many other activities seem to prevent this completion. This year, Nathan McCall published a highly successful autobiography called Makes Me Want to Holler. And Nathan, who was a good friend of mine and a former student, mentioned natural psychology and human transformation as a handbook that had inspired him during a difficult and transitional period in his life. And as a result of the extraordinary success of Nathan's work, tremendous interest has, was generated for this book. And the large volume of phone calls that came into my office requesting it served as a necessary impetus for me to revise the book and get it back into print. Again, I must express my thanks to Imam W.D. Muhammad for the ideas that stimulated the initial writings of this book. I have chosen to apply the concepts to the specific needs of restoring the psychological functioning of African-American people. As is the case with all of my work, none of the concepts are limited to my particular cultural group, but my primary commitment is to heal and restore the historically oppressed and damaged African people. If these concepts did not have universal applicability, then they would be unusable as far as I'm concerned. In fact, the fact that I chose to apply these universal concepts to the particular experience of my community is neither biased nor racist, as some people have chosen to label such an African-centered approach. Being Afrocentric simply means that African people can understand the universe by beginning from the center of our experience and moving outward to encompass all of humanity. All knowledge should be relevant, and relevance is established by the reference of a people's particular experiences. 
One of the serious psychological and intellectual problems of African people is that for the last 400-plus years, we have tried to build a relevant reality, looking at all ideas and at ourselves from the reference point of other people's particular experiences. We are seeking to rebuild our own reference point, not to oppress others, but to liberate ourselves. And he goes on to state that, our hope is that this brief introduction to the concept of human transformation will have direct and immediate reference, relevance to the healing of the historically oppressed people of African descent specifically, but will serve as a key to the upliftment of spirituality or spiritually oppressed humanity in general. Perhaps the most significant aspect of the message of this book is that human beings have powerful but untapped potential that has been obscured by force and erroneous messages about the true human nature, and if we build on the images found in the natural world, we can rediscover the truth of the essence of our real form. The message of truth does not require advanced degrees, mastery of obscure religious concepts, nor initiation to esoteric secret orders, but truth can be taught by simply understanding the nature of a Kalatoa and a butterfly. And he goes on to share, finally, read and prepare to fly. And this was written in uh, 1994, July 14th, Tallahassee, Florida. So uh, that was very profound. Uh, indeed, he states that the intent of his book was not just to serve people of African descent, but to serve all of humanity. And... Uh, that's something that inspired me to embrace the concept and to uh, want to become a minister, uh, indeed an interfaith minister, so that I could share concepts that are all-encompassing, uh, that would help me to grow spiritually and to grow as a human being, to serve humankind, specifically, of course, to serve my people, uh, of, of African descent, but more so uh, uh, holistically to serve all of humanity. And this is something that uh, attracted me to this book by Dr. Akbar. Uh, we, we have later on in the show some things to share with you regarding health, and my wife, uh, uh, Queen Mother Spirit Change, will share some things with you uh, regarding health, uh, particularly diabetes. Uh, she has a product that has proven to be extremely successful, and uh, I, I'm inclined to say that it's getting rave reviews, but uh, indeed, uh, short of that, uh, the reception has been uh, nothing short of being uh, uh, very, very gratifying, and soon to be in the status of getting rave reviews as we share this with more and more people who are afflicted with diabetes. So we're going to take another break and be right back with you within a few moments. chapters in this pamphlet, so we're going to probably go through this, if not completely, this evening, uh, this evening and definitely the next show, and then uh, we'll be open for discussion uh, as uh, we digest what Dr. Akbar shared with us and, and uh, share amongst ourselves any thoughts and comments that we may have. He starts off by saying, from grafted to natural psychology. There are specific and predictable patterns in the created physical world, and these patterns serve as an image for the structure of the natural world. 
The understanding of these patterns serves as a foundation for knowledge, and each human being rediscovers knowledge consistent with the way that mankind originally discovered knowledge by observing and gradually understanding these patterns. Every mind enters the world in darkness and with windows available through the senses which permit us to observe how nature is constructed. The infant enters the world flat on its back, arms and feet furling in the uncoordinated fashion. And despite this initial darkness, this empty mind is soon able to begin its evolution towards genuine humanity. Having a living and functional mind is actually the criteria for membership in the human race. And if you don't have a mind, you aren't alive yet. The infant learns to be a human being by interacting with the world around it. And through this interaction, the infant learns that the created physical world has messages in it that actually serve the purpose of feeding the mental growth of the person. Knowledge begins in the real world and not in the heads of people. Certainly much of the knowledge that we acquire is transmitted from the minds of other people, but the foundation of knowledge is found embedded in nature and her processes. And this basic knowledge is called root knowledge because it serves as the foundation for all higher levels of knowledge. Root knowledge and gratified knowledge. Probably the most basic message that contain, that's contained in this root knowledge is the idea of order or a plan in nature. The ancients were able to formulate the basic principles of mathematics simply by observing themselves and the world around them. They were able to look at the heavens and observe alternating patterns of day and night with the cadence being calculated by the phases of the moon. They were able to observe the change in seasons calculated by the location of the sun and the star formations. By observing their own bodies, they understood fundamental counting principles from 10 being the foundation of the numbering system already illustrated by 10 fingers and 10 toes. Another characteristic of the root knowledge is the idea that all things are interrelated. Ideas don't exist and separate and isolated disciplines of fields. Math is as connected with biology as it is connected with art, religion, and economics. The fact that we sometimes focus only on one thing at a time is a consequence of our limited capacity of seeing and not a limitation in the way that reality is put together. So our theories of politics, philosophy, and psychology represent a fragmented description of only a part of nature taken in isolation from the whole. Probably the most basic idea that is acquired from the observation of nature is an appreciation of, for order and the presence of a plan. Anyone who has gone to bed at night with a sense of certainty that the sun would, would rise the next morning believes in a master plan. And the person who looks out on a snow-covered field and confidently exclaims that spring is just around the corner, is not speaking to the knowledge of his senses, but he is responding to an understanding of the pattern or order in nature. Matter of fact, I'll just uh, branch off from this thought. Uh, earlier this afternoon on Facebook, I looked up in YouTube uh, a song, The Creator Has a Master Plan by Brother Leon Thomas, who recorded that during the, the uh, 70s with uh, a master saxophonist, Pharaoh Saunders. And I had no idea that I would be reading uh, this particular, uh, these couple of paragraphs dealing with uh, the presence of a plan. So indeed, the Creator has a master plan. And as the song goes, peace and happiness through all the land. And he talks about love. So I just thought I would share that thought. Uh, my Facebook presence is, uh, my name is Baba Wesley Gray, Look that up on Facebook, and it's not that drums a change, and it would be a great pleasure to have you as a friend or a fan on Facebook. Well, back to the uh, the first chapter, as Dr. Akbar explains, he says probably the most basic idea that is acquired from the observation of nature is an appreciation for order and the presence of a plan. And he states, as I mentioned, that anyone who has gone to bed at night with a sense of certainty 
that the sun would rise the next morning believes in a master plan. The person who looks out on the snow-covered field and confidently exclaims that spring is just around a corner is not speaking to the knowledge of his senses, but is responding to the understanding of the pattern of order in nature. Such minor observations are actually confirmation of belief in a basic and predictable plan. Without such a basic belief, every next minute is just a guess and a gamble. The obvious implication from the presence of such a precise plan is the of a planner. Knowledge that is not based on this fundamental natural root knowledge is obviously unnatural. Such unnatural is what we mean when we refer to grafted knowledge. A set of ideas which has taken what was natural and put them together with something that is either unreal or inappropriately combined represents a deviant form of reality. And such a grafting misrepresents the natural order. An example of a grafted form of knowledge is one that represents an incomplete and distorted picture of nature's process and claims it to be the entire picture. If one observes the, that animals need food to survive and then conclude that food is the only thing that keeps animals alive, he is presenting grafted knowledge because of its incompleteness. Someone who concludes that a racehorse is the fastest animal on earth without even bothering to look at the speed of an African cougar is presenting grafted knowledge. Through this fallacy, although this fallacy is present in all fields of knowledge, it is most evident and most damaging relates to the knowledge regarding human functioning and development. And our discussion is going to focus on how this grafting has created a very serious and distorted idea of the nature of human being because of the grafted knowledge present in the European-American psychology. We should also point to some guidelines for reconstructing a natural psychology, drawing upon indications from the natural world which will help us to distinguish the real from the grafted. And he goes on to state that grafted psychology represents an extremely important field of knowledge because it is the model for understanding the human being and the human potential. The images reflected in psychology serve as a basis for how people see themselves and their potential. In the ancient days, Psychology did not exist as an objective science because the image of man was too large to fit into the narrow mode of objectivity. The human being was considered to be created in the image of God. Therefore, his development and conduct was understood within the domain of theology rather than a science of psychology. Human beings were considered to follow the order of nature but they were also capable of rising above the limitations of the physical or material world. So nature was used as a source of allegories or metaphors to describe the growth or evolution of man rather than a way to give direct image of man. Even though man's nature was considered to be orderly and controlled by the higher plan of a planner, ordinary observation was considered inadequate for understanding man. The reason for this had much to do with man's ability to know but not be known. Human beings are born with fewer initial abilities than most animals. However, within a limited period of time, because of his learning capacity, man studies, imitates, and quickly surpasses these animals who are his superior in size, speed, and instinct whereas other animals are obviously locked into dictates of their particular nature, uh, e.g. birds can fly and fish can swim, they cannot assume the nature of other animals. The bird is the master of flying in the air, but those birds are not waterfowl uh, and cannot master swimming skills because it is not in their nature. Human beings are born without the physical capacity to either swim or fly, but by observing the form of these animals that swim and fly, men construct ships and planes, and in short order are able to outperform those animals 
whose nature is to swim and fly. So human beings have had to look to higher and lower forms of nature in order to get an image of who they were and what they could potentially become. He goes on to state that Western psychology concluded that humans were subject to the same methods of observation or research as was the rat, dog, monkey, or even the insect. With the rise of Western psychology, humans were demoted from their lofty status as a special form of life operating within nature, and such a demotion introduced the initial graphic knowledge of human development into world society. The exchange of the literal or the metaphor distorted our appreciation for what the process of the natural world tells us about our human nature. And this grafted form of psychology has several important characteristics which have rendered it inadequate for accounting for the full range of human creation and creativity. He states that we shall discuss later that we perhaps need to resort to another form of knowledge rather than objective observation in order to understand the nature of higher being who is in nature and not of nature. And this European-American Judeo-Christian-based psychology which we accept as a universal description of human life, is in fact quite, quite limited in its grafted descriptions of the human nature, even though there is a diversity in the various schools or approaches to describing the human nature, they all carry one or several flaws which make the knowledge base grafted. And one of the qualities is the assumption that the essence of human life is its physical manifestation. And this is an example of how the grafting process creates disastrous distortions. And unfortunately, human beings occupy physical bodies which are subject to certain physical laws and are comparable, comparable to other physical forms in nature. The grafting process occurs when the total human nature is equated with its physical manifestations. And this is the assumption in most of Western psychology. I'm going to stop here for a moment and just share some thoughts that I have. Uh, this day, uh, actually this evening, we have uh, what we call uh, the football, the, uh, the National Football League having their playoffs. And, and as a result of that, here in the Western society, we have millions of people who turn on their TV to look at this uh, particular game of competition with a ball. And, of course, uh, as Naeem Akbar states earlier in his, in his pamphlet, that we are, from a psychological perspective, uh, conditioned to think that we are our bodies, that uh, men who have bigger muscles, who can run very swiftly, who can outthink one another, and, such as in a baseball, uh, football field, are superior or inferior, depending on how the scores are, are uh, established at the end of the game. And then, of course, we have the women who uh, are uh, find certain men of such caliber and uh, capacity in sports to be very appealing and attractive. And, of course, it doesn't hurt if they're making a lot of money while uh, engaging in this particular uh, mode of sport, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, any of the other sports, golf, you know, all of these sports, uh, race car racing, uh, which uh, is another uh, thought. And all of these sports also have the potential of people being injured and some indeed losing their life. But we engage in these sports with vigor uh, and, and with the, uh, an unbridled enthusiasm, knowing that indeed uh, there's something perhaps missing from all this, uh, uh, this hoopla of raving and, and being a, a, a fan, which is a derivative from the word fanatic, collectively being fanatic about in an, a, a, an action of a group of people opposing one another. And, of course, this is uh, an aspect of that, what Naeem Akbar calls grafted psychology, grafted reality. You know, we're meant to more so be able to assume an interdependence in our presence with one another, to help one another to traverse this journey called life, to traverse this journey called uh, a spiritual journey, more so than any other type of journey. But, yes, uh, we have been conditioned to, uh, to not embrace that as a natural law of, of uh, reality. So it's books like this to get me excited to share, which 
brings us, those of us who read these books, who share these thoughts, to be able to be um, the spiritual warriors, as it were, to share this knowledge amongst the masses of those who are receptive so that we can uh, bring about a paradigm shift in consciousness and, and, and a change, as it were, uh, the theme of, of uh, President Obama's uh, presidency, you know, time for change. Yes, we can. And indeed, my website, again, uh, drumsofchange.com. So I'm going to take a short break and uh, return. And, of course, we invite you to share your thoughts from the chat room. And if you'd like to call in, uh, the call-in number is 347 215 7331 and hit the number one button and uh, that will tune you in. Change, but we have now upon us 
a, a, a predicament which is actually more destructive than any other generation has been in terms of the family uh, uh, holistic wholeness. And it's something that uh, I'm concerned with as an elder uh, and, and that I'm determined to, until I go in transition into my next incarnation, uh, that I will share as much knowledge and be part of the solution so that we can turn around uh, the uh, momentum that has been established by certain forces. And I'm very optimistic that that is going to happen. As a matter of fact, there's many uh, concepts in terms of uh, uh, the year 2012 being the beginning of this process. So I embrace it for whatever reason that may be and, and whatever the, the uh, logical projections may be because of this year and the years to come, let's move forward with this change. So uh, to continue with uh, Dr. Akbar's, Akbar's observation, he states that this European-American Judeo-Christian-based psychology, which we accept as universal description of human life, is in fact quite limited in this grafted descriptions of the human nature. Even though there is diversity in the various schools or approaches to describing the human nature, they will all carry one of the several flaws which makes the knowledge base grafted. Uh, I am also encouraged to, to state that uh, my wife this morning showed she, she uh, was concentrating on the aspect of, uh, of yoga and how it's so many years uh, well, I'd like for her, if she'd like to, uh, share with us just a thought of, because uh, Akbar talks about one of the qualities of the assumption of the existence of human life in this physical manifestation that is an example of how the grafting process creates disastrous distortions. Undoubtedly, human beings occupy physical bodies which are subject to certain physical laws and are comparable to other physical forms in nature. Uh, would you like to share with us, the listening audience, the, the, the dynamics of how yoga can, ties into us being healthy uh, human beings and indeed healthy spiritual beings. Well, surely yoga has thought of here in the West. Most people think of sitting in the lotus position, they think of the sun salutation, they think of basically the asanas, which is, you know, are the yoga postures. Mm -hmm. However, the postures are maybe at best 25% of the practice of yoga. Mm. Yoga is a uniting of mind and body with the spirit of the one most. Ah, yes. With the ultimate goal of leading the practitioner to what is referred to in different schools of thought as enlightenment. So when one practices yoga, your overall health is affected, mind, body, and spirit. The mental process and the spiritual process are taking you towards nirvana or enlightenment. The physical process is strengthening each and every one of your bodily organs by doing those asanas. Mm -hmm. You're strengthening your heart, your lungs. There are breathing exercises, and we know that um, the word in Sanskrit for the breath is prana. Yes. And... Uh, Everything is breath. I believe you had brought out a point during my show that without oxygen, we wouldn't be able to maintain our life form. And that's the balance of the plant emitting oxygen, taking in the carbon dioxide through the process of photosynthesis. So we talked about we talked about how that process does, in fact, strengthen all of your bodily systems. Mm. So it's just very, it's just very interesting, and we know just even uh, from a practical, everyday standpoint, 
when people talk about working out and how it releases endorphins mm. that enhance your well-being. Yes. So now put that on a higher level because yoga is a higher level of quote-unquote exercise. Mm-hmm. You're not just working out. You know, you're healing, you're cleansing, you're sending. So imagine now the impact that that has on each and every bodily function. Yes, indeed. And that's it. Oh, yes, that's, thank you so much for sharing that. It's uh, so profound. Thank uh, you for the opportunity. You're welcome. Yes, the various forms of of, uh, of exercise, the various forms of of uh, healing uh, through breath, most of all, and then of course eating the proper foods. Uh, my wife and I, we both were vegetarians. I've been more than 20 plus years vegetarian, and uh, my wife is approaching 10 years now, uh, I think six a year, and, and it won't be long before she can say, you know, that yes, it's been 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and we all know that eating the right food is incumbent upon us to maintain our health. That's why we're so concerned when we give birth to our children, that they are fed properly. Uh, but somehow or other, we embrace this Western construct, uh, the graphic psychology, as it were, that somehow has us bamboozled, hoodwinked to think that we can stop doing what we were doing as youngsters and, and still maintain our health. You know, drinking uh, alcohol and taking drugs in excess, eating the wrong foods excessively, you know, I mean, there's some schools of thought that says a little bit of something, as long as in moderation, is not going to hurt you. That might be all well and good. But there are certain things that we know that we cannot take, just like we know that we cannot uh, have a, a brand-new car and maintain it to its anticipated uh, optimum longevity of operation for five years. In this case, maybe the cars now will last you eight to ten years before they start breaking down. You cannot... Uh, give it the wrong oil uh, velocity and the wrong type of gas uh, and, and not take it to be repaired and tuned up and so forth uh, without anticipating through empirical understanding that that car is not going to last long, it's not going to operate proficiently. Same thing with our bodies. But unfortunately, we have those of us who take better care of our cars than we do of our own body because we bought into a psychological uh, grafted construct, which is more westernized than easternized. So uh, I, I'm just uh, anxious to to share more about this. Uh, I'm very humble to be able to share more about this knowledge because it helps me. It reinforces this understanding uh, with myself and my family that we have to just change our thinking, change our approach in terms of how we are conducting our lives. It seems as if, yes, I will have to uh, continue into uh, next week uh, with the uh, uh, reading and sharing the book, uh, The Natural Psychology and Human Transformation. But uh, before I uh, end this segment, I just will read a few more excerpts. Uh, Dr. Naeem Akbar states that one of these qualities is the assumption that the essence of human life is its physical manifestation. And this is an example of how the grafting process creates disastrous distortions. Undoubtedly, human beings occupy physical bodies which are subject to certain physical laws and are com- comparable to other physical forms in nature. The grafting process occurs when the total human nature is equipped or equated with its physical manifestation. And this is the assumption in most of Western psychology. This physically-based psychology essentially argues that what you see is what you get. They, they argue that the human being can be reduced to his, his behavioral response to certain physical signs or stimuli. In fact, one very popular European school of psychology developed by William Shelton concludes that we can predict the personality of a person by identifying their body type, which literally suggests that human beings are a consequence of how their bodies look. The Freudian 
psychoanalytic types conclude that the human essence can be reduced to our physical needs or appetites. The behavioral psychologists are the ones who conclude that there is nothing of any greater significance to humans than the way that they respond. It's important to remember that these conclusions are from root knowledge. Remember, remember that these conditions are, are having a root foundation in the observation of nature. But the grafting is the statement of these images as the total picture of the human being. And there is certainly no argument that a part of the human expression is what can be observed in our behavior. The grafting and the fragmentation of the total picture and the conclusion that these physical manifestations are the totality of the human nature, and despite considerable diversity in the ways that these Euro European, American, Judeo-Christians discuss the human be being, they all base their conclusions on certain physical expressions of the human life form. And I would just like to say that uh, going into our next show, uh, Naeem Akbar, he talks about racism and psychiatry. Uh, he talks about as it, as it is incorporated within the graphic mode of Western psychology. Uh, he discusses the powerful, uh, the proper spiritual understanding that is much important information that is contained in the ancient comedic book of Coming Forth by Day, which is commonly referred to as the Egyptian Book of the Dead. He discusses the Holy Bible, the Torah, and the Holy Quran, and he states that they all contain significant and important insights from Revelation. They must be understood utilizing spiritual criteria, and not material criteria, however, he states. And he, he goes on to even uh, continue with the uh, relationship of how uh, Jews, Christians, and Muslims all claim that their books reflect in whole or part revelations which have come through the spiritual insights of those who are most developed in their religious tradition. And I must also include the Bhagavad Gita, uh, which is not mentioned in his book, but I will include that. So I'm pretty excited about uh, uh, sharing more of the content of this uh, very dynamic pamphlet titled Natural Psychology and Human Transformation. So that concludes this evening's uh, uh, reading uh, excerpts from uh, uh, Dr. Akbar's book. And uh, again, I'd like to thank all of you for uh, for listening and, and sharing your time with us this evening. And I invite you to come back next week um, and to, if you could, to share with your friends and associates and colleagues uh, the essence of our show and to ask them if they would like to share some time with us uh, and uh, shows which will be aired in the future. Um, again, uh, I must mention that as an African drummer and one who is a, uh, a spiritual warrior and, and who endorses the concept of, of having a, an Afrocentric, uh, Afrocentristic orientation within our homes and those of us who have African descent and also those of us who are not, that I encourage one to have a drum within the home and a designated drummer as was inspired uh, to me by uh, Brother uh, uh, Ozzie Davis when he was a keynote speaker at my godson's school. So uh, I also encourage you to visit my wife's uh, website. And the, the website for the drum purchase is at drumsofchange.com and also for uh, uh, input on uh, and to buy a product that cures diabetes and lowers your blood pressure within three days. Uh, my wife's website is www.spiritchange.com. I, again, thank you uh, for tuning in, and I'm going to provide workshops. And I close in prayer by stating that uh, we give the Most High, dear God, uh, this, we give this evening to you, and my, our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness. May we not be tempted to stray from love, and as we begin this week, we open to receive you, we ask that you enter where you already abide. May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. May we see the love and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this day. We ask only that they serve you in the healing of the world, and may we bring your love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people that you would have us be, direct our footsteps, 
In short, what you would have us do, make the world a safer, more beautiful place. Bless all you. For use me, dear Lord. Use us, dear Lord, that we might know the joy of being used by you. We thank you again. Namaste. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. One love, peace, and blessings, all my relations. God bless.